You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Doing the Work podcast. As tonight, we discuss some new activity for the IU women's basketball team. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, here with my co-host, Kathy Amos. And today, we're here with another edition of the Doing the Work episode, the new show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. And we're joined today by a special guest, Seth Tao of the Bloomington Herald Times will be joining us to talk about all things IU women's basketball. And as we do most shows, we start our show with our banner moment. And tonight's banner moment occurred on April 25th when Allie Patberg was named the female recipient of the Frederick Glass Director's Award by the IU Athletic Department. Our banner moment, as always, is sponsored by Home Field Apparel. Did you know that among the, all the T-shirts Back Home has available, they have one specific to Allie Patberg showing off her passion. Yep, just go to homefieldapparel.com and search for Allie. And if you support other college teams or have people in your life who do, Home Field probably has something for you or for them, too. Their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. As mentioned, Kathy and I have, are joined by a special guest, Seth Tao, who may you some some of you may remember for as working previously for Assembly Call and Inside the Hall, but is now, as I said, the beat writer for the Indiana women's basketball team for the Bloomington Herald Times and the Indianapolis Star. Seth is joining us to talk all things about IU women's basketball, but especially as we look ahead to next season. Welcome, Seth. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And and Kathy, I'll let you go ahead and ask any your your first question. Sure. Um, so, Seth, we thought maybe if we could just start off by if you could just give us a quick overview um, for maybe folks not as familiar with your past and kind of what is your past experience of covering IU women's basketball and how you um, kind of got back into got into the writer scene. Yeah, so I, I never I, I went to IU as an undergrad. I graduated in 2019. I was never on the women's basketball beat when I was here as a student. I popped in for a couple games here and there, but you know, I spent three years on, on the men's basketball beat and two of those years doing football as well for inside Indiana. And then, uh, as you all said, uh, my senior year, I did, I worked with inside the call, inside the hall and assembly call. Um, and I covered IU men's basketball over there. And then I did that my senior year. And then I graduated, uh, spent a couple years, out in the field, covered high school sports in on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, then went up to New England for a year and covered Dartmouth and high school sports up there, and then jumped back onto this onto into Bloomington, uh, right in the middle of IU uh, women's basketball season. So just real quick, I'll kind of follow up on that. Said, what was it like covering an Ivy League team? It was really interesting. You know, I mean, we don't at my, at my old paper up there, you know, we don't, the only sport that we really covered, you know, we daily somewhat daily was football. You know, we, football was the one that we, you know, I was at all the football games except for one and I, you know, was going to practices and, you know, I was treating that one like a real beat and it's, it's different. It's just a different atmosphere and a different culture around athletics than, than you see in the rest of the country, especially football in particular, Ivy league football is just different than it's different than F, the rest of FCS football. It's much different than, than what you see obviously in the power five or in, in 
F in bowl division football. And uh, it was really interesting, you know, a lot of good people up there and, you know, the, the, the Ivy league is really, is interesting. It's an interesting sports landscape. That's awesome. Um, so kind of continuing with like the past scene um, theme, when, when you graduated, what, what year, by the way, did you graduate? I graduated in 2019. 2019. Okay. So when you graduated um, 2019, could you have foreseen how well the program um, was going to become so well known nationally at that point in time? Were you seeing the trends already? And, um, and are you shocked at how far the program went um, here, especially the last couple of years? You're talking IU women? Yes. Sorry, I transitioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell you I did though. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's been interesting. I mean, it, when, when you're cover when you spend so much time around IU as I did my, you know, when I was an undergrad and, and you kind of, when you spend so much time around one team, you kind of get, you start feeling like you're in a bubble and, and you obviously I take in more IU content and hear more about IU than I do any other team. And, you know, I, you know, the, the pieces seem to be there for, a little while you just didn't really know you know it was always tough to tell what they would be going up against from the outside but you know slowly but surely it seemed like they were getting the pieces together and then things just started to come together and as you mentioned you kind of came in middle of the season so i know it may be hard to kind of take a look at the whole season but we're going to ask you to um but especially as they got toward the big 10 tournament and the NCAA tournament do you felt like did you feel like as, a, as somebody who was covering the team you know on a pretty consistent basis that they got that it was kind of an as expected better than expected or were, would you say disappointed that it ended in the sweet 16. I think it depends on your perspective. I think going into the season, they they expected to be it, it, to be, be right back there, and I, I think it's hard to I, everyone anyone is going to be disappointed when when they lose that late into the season. But I think it's hard to label a season where you get to the Sweet Sixteen a dis mm -hmm. disappointment when there's you know there's only eight teams that get to in, in the entire country that get to move on from the Sweet Sixteen you know, you keep going down the list and it's just, there's only so many teams that, that can be there. And there's so many good teams yeah. around the country. It's, you know, you, you can't get too, you, you can't look at it as, Oh, it's a disappointment if they don't get to the final four. Like there, once you get to a certain point in March, there's only, there's only so much you can do and, and the ball just bounces certain ways and things like that. So I, I definitely would not say it's a disappointment, um, but I think it's probably about where as expected, they, you know, I, it would have been a disappointment if they went out and the, if they bowed out in the first round, it would have been a disappointment if they didn't host games in some ways, it would have been a disappointment if it, it would, in some ways it would have been disappointing, even if they lost the, that Princeton game and didn't get back to the sweet 16, they got back to the sweet 16. They had a tough draw against UConn and, you know, aside from a four minute stretch, they played UConn really close and things just didn't really bounce their way. So I don't, I don't know that they can call it a disappointment. It, it's probably right about where they expected. Yeah, it was that third quarter there for us with UConn, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that really kind of did us in. So, so um, continuing on with uh, looking back on the IU women's season, is there one area that you felt was a weakness or a concern as this team headed into the tournament that um, you were really, yeah, was on your list of things you were going to watch for that was concerning for you? 
with last year's team, I mean, it was the depth. I mean, they, they really played six deep you know, as far as players that played meaningful minutes. They, they, and, and in some ways it, it gets overblown and the, the amount that people talk about depth and how people are like, uh, you know, want there to be nine to 10 re- reliable options. That's just not how college basketball works. You, most teams, the best teams get when you get deep in a mark, they have all, they have their rotation solidified down to seven or eight people. But when you're, when you're playing six deep, they just didn't have that wiggle room to where, you know, if one player gets into foul trouble, when you have, when you're running a six person rotation, when one person gets into foul trouble, you're in a world of trouble. And, you know, I don't think that issue really, really came up or, or made that much of a difference in the tournament. But when to answer your question of what was the biggest concern going into the tournament, it was the depth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I kind of follow up with that. And, and Seth, being around the program as much as you are, one of the reasons, again, we want to thank Seth Tao for joining us on, on the Doing the Work podcast tonight uh, from the Bloomington Herald Times and the Indianapolis Star. In your conversations with Coach Morin, was that ever anything that, that you brought up to her and, and, and or she mentioned that it was a concern to her about the depth? I don't think that she would ever come out and say, I'm concerned about the depth. And she would kind of, Oh, she would certainly express uh, confidence in the bench options that she had further down. But being realistic, I mean, Chloe Moore McNeil was the the sixth woman, if you will, off the bench. But when you go farther down the bench, I mean, obviously you didn't see Counter Brown that much because she was dealing with an injury all season. And she she was just never really able, especially late in the season, as she started to miss – actual games for it. I mean, it was just the same thing that hip and she, you know, she wasn't able to give them all that much off the bench. And aside from those two, you're just looking at people who could come in and play a couple minutes a game here and there. I don't think Terry would ever come out and say, Oh, like our depth is a problem publicly, but I I know that they're not dumb and they, they're, they're not dumb and they, they know what, what their strengths and weaknesses are as a team. And I know they wouldn't classify their depth last year as a strength. I'll put it that way. Yeah. One thing, I, one thing I kind of put in here that we talked a lot about during the season to Seth was just the lack of three point shooting. And I think that's for, for them maybe to get what, and I kind of want your opinion on this because you're around them more than, than we are um, for them, maybe to make that next jump to where they're a consistent elite eight final four contender probably have to be a little better outside shooting team, don't they? Yeah, in some ways. It the number I don't have the number the exact numbers in front of me, but it, it's interesting because it wasn't like they were taking a lot of threes and missing them. So it's hard to call it a weakness because percentage-wise, they were in the top 100 in the country in three-point percentage. They it just wasn't you know, the 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 offense revolved around the post game. Mm. They, that was their biggest strength. You know, I think it was after the Nebraska loss. It was the Nebraska loss. It, the loss at Nebraska in February, where they took like twenty three. They shot like two of twenty three from three point range or something like that. And we asked Terry about it after the game, and she said, you know, she acknowledged that that you know some of it was just ch- chucking up some shots at the end of the game to try to make it close again. But she, you know, she said like we took twenty three tonight. We want to be a team that's taking about fifteen a game and and going from there. And you know. It, it was just the volume. It wasn't necessarily that they are bad at three point shooting. Now, that being said, they did lose, you know, some decent three point shooters from last season and Gold Bay and Pat Berg and, you know, Nikki could, Nikki could knock them down too. But 
you know, it wasn't a weakness, but it's something that I think they need to continue developing and make that a more focal point in the offense. They brought in a great shooter in Scalia from Minnesota now. So I think I'm interested to see now if they adjust the, how much they adjust the offense to kind of open up that three point game and how, and because you don't, you also don't want to take away opportunities from a healthy McKenzie Holmes. So it's, there's kind of a give and take there, but three point shooting is probably what they need to get to another, another level, but it's, it's, it'll be interesting, but they, but they'll have more personnel, I think, to be that type of team next year. Yeah, I would, I would agree with all of that for sure. Um, So in terms of, again, just reflecting on that last season, if you could pick one positive and one negative surprises, what would you pick? So one thing that surprised you in a positive way that you didn't expect to happen if you went back to the beginning of the year, and one thing that happened, um, not injuries, because obviously those are never expected. <laughs> so I'm ruling that off the list. But <laughs> in terms of other, like maybe things you expected maybe to be better, um, that surprised you. Hmm. Well, I'll start off with this, that like I like I said, I jumped in. I started this job in mid-January, like while Indiana was in the middle of their COVID pause. And, you know, I knew for a little while that I was get that I was jumping in into this job. But when you're covering a whole nother university's athletic program, you can only really follow so much from afar. So I was only loosely really able to keep tabs right. on them from afar and certainly not anything in depth or watch many, if any, games while I was out in New England. So I don't have the full season context uh, just just Fair. to just to just to put that out there. Um, but a positive and a negative. Hmm. I think. I think I think Chloe's development probably has to be the positive. Right. That, that, I agree. I mean that she just even just in Big Ten play from the time that I was watching the team, she kind of went from a player who seemed like a solid three and D option on the bench to a player who was able to create her own opportunities. You know, be more aggressive and take it into the lane herself. And yeah, and and I think a, became a player that Indiana should feel comfortable with in the starting five next year if that's the route that they take given all the personnel changes and all of that. There's still a lot of growth that she needs to do. And I'm sure that teams will now be keying in on her a little more than they were, you know, on when she was out there with all of the experience they had last season. But I think that her development, you know, especially in the way that she kind of came along in such a time of need for Indiana this, this season with Mackenzie out and with, and just when things were re- when the depth was really being tested, I think that's when Chloe really stepped up and started to really show show more of her game. I think that's probably the positive. Um, the a ne- one negative, yeah, we put or you just on the spot. yeah, but yeah, just and it's hard to say. So, like for me, as an example, and you agree or disagree with this, maybe I'll go about this way. I was really hopeful, maybe hopeful is a better word, or as opposed to expecting. I was hopeful that our bench would actually bend. So on on your theme of depth, I was really hopeful some more players would kind of develop from last year. You know, we had all of our starters back, our core players, but I was really hopeful that we would see more bench play and be able to go a little deeper than we did. So that was one on the negative side that kind of surprised me where I was expecting maybe it to be a little bit deeper than we were um, and just never seemed to materialize outside of Chloe's development. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, again, I, I can't speak fully to what the expectations were coming into the season. I can only, you know, I just kind of came in and sure. things were what they were by that. <laughs> were, things yeah. were what they were by that point, and everything was a mess already with when I came here with Mackenzie being out and everybody having COVID. So, right. They, by, by the time I jumped in, it was, you know, everything was a mess and things were what they were. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think you're wrong there, and I can't really think of any other thing that fits what you're looking for. So I'll, I'll agree with you. Okay. <laughs> hey, so with four players deciding not to come back, is there one player's absence that you will feel be missed the most? Between. Uh, we're talking Allie, Lexa, um, Nikki. Uh, Nikki and, 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 and Grace Wagner, who decided, you know, they all either law, their eligibility was up or decided not to use their COVID years. Yeah, I so I don't think all of them decided to not come back. I'm sure if I'm sure if Allie could play in an Indiana uniform for the rest of her life, she would. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> that said, or, uh, let's put, let's phrase it this way: so, so with losing four players from last year's roster, who do you think would be the the one player's absence you think will be felt the most? Yeah, hardest to fill. Um, I mean, I, ruling out. Grace just not, I mean just because she's you know she was a bench player and had her role but you know in, in comparison to the other three I mean I think they're all going to be felt in in different ways it, it's you know um Chloe or not Chloe excuse me Nikki you could you know she was so reliable on defense and you know those players are not easy to find Indiana's good at producing those types of players in their system but it's hard to find players that are reliable on defense and you know what you can re pretty much get from them game in game out, you know, whether it's just effort wise or actually production wise on defense. And you really saw it on, you know, in both ways from Nikki and, you know, that's the type of thing that's not always quantifiable on a stat sheet, but I think they are going to miss that. And Chloe's a good defender and, you know, they've, I, I don't know. I'd be lying if I said I knew how good at defense Sarah Scalia was or Sydney Parrish is. Um, I guess we'll see. But, yeah. you know, I, I think that's, you know, they're going to miss that from Nikki. I think, I mean, with Allie, the leadership aspect of it is obvious. You know, they've, you know, how much she meant to that program is very obvious. And, you know, she was an on court general in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think her, her her numbers dropped off offensively a little bit this year from what you saw in the past few years, you know, earlier in her IU career. But, you know, she it's the leadership aspect that they're going to miss with Allie Patberg. And, you know, other players, I'm sure, will step up in leadership roles. But when you have somebody who had been through as much at IU as Allie Patberg, you can't just, you know, step in and say, here, you do what Allie did, because no one really can. So... Right. It, in a lot of ways, they're going to miss that. And when you look at Golbe, I mean, they call Terry basically called her the team's MVP. And I don't think she's wrong for, you know, the way that she stepped in and, you know, she, you know, pretty good defender could space the floor, you know, played off McKenzie really well and obviously stepped up in a big way when McKenzie was out. And I think that they're, they're hopeful that that Alyssa Geary from Providence will be able to do some of the same things in in some in a similar type of role. And if you saw the profile that I wrote about Geary, I mean, she played in that type of you know she played with another forward often at Providence, so that's not going to be a new role for her. But you know, a lot of that has to do with chemistry, and you can see it very clearly. But with Golbe and Holmes, and 
you know, it, it's just going to be a very new look Indiana team without those three people. And, you know, they've got, they brought in a lot of talent, but we'll see, we'll have to see how it meshes together. Yeah. I, I would say just in kind of to follow up with that on my side, I, I just felt like when the season ended before we knew who was being brought in the transfer portal, um, I, I would, I would agree with you. I kind of felt Alexa because of the different things she could do inside, yep. outside could play D. I, I really felt like she was going to be the one that we'd look, see next year and be like, man, we could use that kid. But I, I will be interested to see. I did not get a chance to read your article in the Herald Times, but I will go back and read it. But I'd be very interested to see the Gary girl because she looks like, from what I've seen in the videos of her, that she could fill that role. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. The thing with, with her might be maybe her shooting because, you know, I think Alexa could shoot it from outside every once in a while. Again, it wasn't like Alexa was going to be a volume three-point shooter, but she could certainly knock it down from time to time. And I, I'm not quite sure that we'll see that. Um, from, from, uh, oh, from thank you. <laughs> you just said it too. Anyway. I, I could tell you were struggling to remember her name. <laughs> and you just said it too. That's great. So, um, okay. So just kind of following up the stuff on the people not coming back, um, about Alexa specifically, since we're talking about her, are you surprised at all that she elected not to use her extra COVID year? Just kind of from I, what I, you learned around the program? Yeah, I don't think I'm that surprised. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that I'd say it. I, I, I'm not sure that I would be, would have been shocked, like jaw dropped to the floor if she had said, "Oh, I am going to come back." But I, I don't think I was surprised that she opted to not come back. I, I think, you know, she's already playing for the Latvian national team, and right. you know, she, she had the opportunity in the, in the, in the W, uh, in the preseason. And honestly, I mean, props to her for hanging on there, you know, for, throughout the preseason. And, and I mean, I, I wasn't in Connecticut. I can't speak to how that went. But, you know, you, you know, and, um, she got that opportunity. I'm, I always kind of – the vibe always just seemed like she was just going to leave and uh, yeah. pursue professional opportunities back in Latvia, which is pretty much what she said she was going to do. So yeah. I, I don't think it was surprising that, that right. she – said no i'm not, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go now yeah i agree we can be sad about it but not yes. surprised <laughs> i agree with that All right. um so let's talk about the incoming group and, and you've mentioned a couple of them already we'll start with the transfers uh, again we know they have to mesh there's there's chemistry things but just from what you see on paper how do you feel they're going to impact the team and you've kind of mentioned already with scalia it i mean it completely changes the outlook of this team. And, yeah. and, you know, you had mentioned before, like, like looking at the roster that was leaving at the end of the season before you knew who was coming into the portal. And you kind of, when you looked at the roster right after the Connecticut loss and what it was looking like next year, you knew they were going to have to make some moves in the portal because mm -hmm. um, just looking at the roster for next year, they, you, even with Grace and McKenzie back, you knew that you were going to need other and, and Grace McKenzie and Chloe, you, even with those three coming back, you knew that that's just, you need more to be com as competitive as I know they want to be. They made, you know, they made three really big additions in the portal. And um, I'm sorry, what was your question? <laughs> just Is there one that will be, do you think it, that one of them will be more impactful? One of them that'll be more impactful. I, and I, I know that you're, you're you're taking a guess. I mean, we don't know. Yeah, at this point. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I it, it, it's all just going. 
I'd say Scalia, honestly. I, I, I think people will probably people are drawn to the pair to Sydney Paris because of the obviously the local ties and just the fact that she she's a Hoosier, quote unquote. Um, and you know, Geary has one year of eligibility left and is coming off an injury, and uh, you know that that kind of explained why her numbers fell last year. She should be good to go. Something will have gone very wrong if she's not good to go by the start of next season. Um, but you know, she's, she's coming off an injury. There's always going to be some question marks involved with that. And when you look at Scalia, she, Scalia was, is already an all big 10 caliber player. She was all big 10 Mm. second team just this year. She torched IU and Bloomington. Uh, she, I mean, when you talk about three point shooting, I mean, she had a higher three point percentage than anyone on IU's team last year. So, I mean, that is bringing a player to directly fill a need or something, even if it's not a need, just something that can make, uh, fill something that you're, she's filling a role that they didn't have on this team last year and that they definitely didn't have on their, on their team for next year. So I think, I think it's Scalia because I, I think that putting Scalia in that offense can open up so much for IU. Yeah. I, I think so too, Seth. I think um, as you mentioned, she can open up things. I mean, specifically we have Matt coming back. And so if, you know, we, we didn't have that really knocked down three-point shooter last year and not that necessarily defenses collapsed around McKenzie, but now they really won't be able to with, with Sarah in there. So, um, but you, you did mention Sydney Parrish too. So I think, again, just a reminder for our listeners and um, Sydney was a former Miss um, Indiana basketball. So from an optics perspective with that in mind, and the fact that she left, the state completely went far out west and is coming back. From an optics perspective, how important do you think that Sydney Parish coming back to Indiana is for the program? I mean, the optics of it are are, are huge. I mean, you know, have, bringing in a, a, a former Miss Basketball win. I mean, she's the third Miss Basketball winner to sign on to play for Terry Morin. And, you know, bringing in somebody like that who, and this, I mean, she, you know, it, this is the second one who transferred in counting out counting alley too and doing something like that in this new world of transfer portal and and nil and all and all that good stuff like i i don't think that's a small deal when you're talking op- the optics of it all right yeah and, and so we, we talked about the portal here and and just kind of get your take what how do you how do you view the portal both as a journalist and as a fan, I mean, do you? Because there's a lot right now, especially in social media, that this is out of control. That you know, it's becoming free agency. I'm just kind of curious because you're around a program and coaching staff a lot, and, and just and with your backgrounds in journalism, just kind of what you think as both the journalist covering a team and maybe just as the average fan. I mean, I think it's gotten a lot bigger than anybody really could have anticipated. That said, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing that these players now have more power and more advocacy for themselves than they did before. And I think to some extent, I think a lot of some of the complaining you hear from the coach's perspective of it, um, it, a lot, some of it seems like things that they were really happy to be benefiting from when it really helped them and didn't hurt them in any way. And now that there's a little bit of backlash to some of that stuff, the coaches are just, you know, some of them just throw a hissy fit. And, you know, in in that sense, I I don't really want to hear it. And I don't want to hear that, you know, the, you know, players should not be able, you know, when you're talking about, you know, 
recruiting kids to college. They they come in and make a big life decision at age fit, what 15, 16, 17. And I'll, I'll be the first to tell you there were things, decisions I made at 15, 16, 17 that if I was going back and doing it again, I would make a different decision. So those decisions I made last week. <laughs> right. Exactly. 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 So no one's really got it all figured out. Now that said, I, I, I think there, there, there's a fine line between, you know, a kid going and going somewhere. And I don't know, you know, I'm not addressing any particular situation yeah. or anything like yep. that. Yep. I think there's a fine line between a kid, you know, going out and, and really finding that the coach, you know, not, they don't get along with the coaching staff as well as they thought they did. And that a particular university isn't the right fit that they thought it was. And then, you know, wanting to play closer to home or, or you know, find a, a school that is a better fit. There is a decision between that and a kid going in as a freshman and saying, I'm, I'm so-and-so I, you know, will get playing time immediately, not putting in the work. And then when they don't get rewarded for not doing that work, they leave and, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, so there's a fine line and it, and that's, I think where I empathize with some, with, with the coaches in some way. And, and just the fact that, you know, they, they have to spend all, all this time recruiting kids out of high school anyway. And now they have to worry about, you know, pretty much like recruiting them again while they're already on the roster coming out of the season and, and, you know, trying to recruit them to stay and not to mention all the portal work and all of that. And, you know, I have no doubt that the transfer portal has made coaches lives harder. I think in a lot of ways, it's the byproduct of the NCAA not being proactive in addressing that 100. issue years ago. And yeah. because of that, this is why we are where we are now. I would venture to guess that in a few, in a, in a few years, the, the scene is going to look totally different, you know, in whatever form it takes. I did, would be really, really surprised if this is the new normal for, for college athletics for like years to come. I think it's, you know, this is still, you know, this summer will be the first, you know, NIL became a thing last July. So we're coming up on one full year with NIL in college sports. It, it something as big as that can take a little bit to really evolve and, and adjust. And I mean, obviously NIL and the transfer portal are pretty inter interwoven at this point, as far right. as the, the impact on college athletics, <laughs> I think it, you know, we'll, we'll see what, it, what forms it takes in the next few years, but I would be really surprised if this is what college sports is going to look like for the next five years. Yeah. Awesome. So transferring, haha, pardon the pun from transfers to recruits. Um, do you follow the recruiting trail or were you able to follow the recruiting trail much as you were getting up to speed um, as you came onto the, the scene here this last year? Um, some, I mean, that's also something to where, you know, I, I when you jump in mid season, it, it can be t tricky at times to build the connections that you would need in that type of thing. Yeah. When, you know, there, when everybody's so caught up with the current team and when, you know, there's just going to be less time for me to, you know, build up those types of connections that I would need mid season. And so, you know, I, I, definitely was not as in tune with, with that stuff as I am now. And I still don't think I'm super, super in depth in tune to all of that. Now I am, am definitely in a bit, I definitely am paying more attention to it than I was before, but I mean, I've, you know, it's not like right now I'm only doing IU stuff like right now, you know, 
it's all high school, like Bloomington area, high school sports for me. So, Mm -hmm. and I, and I don't even, yeah, I, I, (laughs) you don't know what day of the week it is at this point doing high school sports. (laughs) Dude, I never do. Um, (laughs) But um, I've walked my dog outside earlier and I couldn't remember if it was Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, But, you know, I, I follow it loosely and if something is going down i i will usually know about it sure and go ahead kathy i'll let you ask yeah. the follow-up if you want to. yeah so the follow-up then really is just of the the incoming freshmen that we do know so you don't have to worry about yeah we won't ask you like what's in the pipeline or anything but we know there are um some good freshmen coming in do you think any of them again based on what you know which I know it's hard to to find information sometimes. Do you think any of them have a chance to play major minutes, knowing what you do with the roster, who's coming back, transfers, and then now we have these freshmen as well? I actually do, um, which is is rare under Terry, I think. But the the Israeli guard, Yarden Garzon, Mm -hmm. I I may have butchered her name. Yeah, that Um, sounds right to me. Yarden could be a real player on this team actually and she could be more ready to play real minutes than most fresh if not all incoming freshmen that they've had because she's out there in Israel dominating in that league and playing you know against you know former WNBA players and playing mm-hmm. you know playing against professional quality talent from from you know playing against professional quality talent and you know meanwhile she's going to be in the same recruiting class as you know a couple kids from high school in in the u.s so it's just almost completely different levels of not even necessarily talent but just development as a player and and just the the attributes that yarden might have might take a little bit for you know somebody like like you know what the americans who are who are in this recruiting class it might take them a little bit longer to acclimate to college basketball and to acclimate to playing at a higher level where yarden is used to playing at a, at a higher level against probably similar levels of competition so i i think that already gives her an advantage i know they like her and i mean they wouldn't bring her in if they didn't like her but i, I know they i know they like her and they uh i know they like her and you know, I, I think she does actually have a real chance to play. Some, I, I mean, I'm not coming out here saying she's going to be in the starting lineup or anything like that. But, you know, I think she actually could be a rotation player from day one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting about that, because you think about some of the kids that Terry has recruited um, and, and kind of an Alexa Golbey who came in from Europe and maybe was a little bit more along than some of the kids from the States. And I think that's an interesting thing that you bring up about uh, the Yarden girl. And, and Ari says in the chat, Seth, that that's the, the Israeli way to pronounce it, that you nailed the pronunciation just right. So I, I will ask you a little bit because she's already, she's made a commitment. I'm just curious, have you had a chance to see uh, in person or on some film, the girl out of Illinois, Lene Beaumont? I believe I said her name right. <laughs> You did, and I'm doing my Jewish heritage proud by getting the by get by getting Yard on Yardan's name right. Um, uh, Lene, um, I've watched a you know a couple not not a ton of film honestly. I, I wrote a whole profile of, of her if you, if you all didn't see that. Make sure mm-hmm. I mean you can Again. check that yeah. out on, at, at uh, the Herald at what is it HeraldTimes.com. Yeah. I think so. I'm even I'm even for Herald Times Online. I'm even I'm even forgetting the name of my own website. <laughs> Herald Times Online. You're good. You're good. HeraldTimesOnline.com. You can check out the, the profile that I did of Lane Beaumont. Um 
so no, I, I haven't watched a ton of film, I, I guess, per se. Yeah, I've watched a couple highlight clips and things like that, but you can only really get so much from okay. from things like that. But, you know, from what I get, from, from what I've, you know, gleaned from talking to her and from talking to her dad and from, you know, just talking to other people about her, she seems like a really high IQ basketball player that she, mm-hmm. you know, just understands the game at a high level, has understood the game at a high level for a really long time. And that that kind of shows, it kind of translates into her game just a very cerebral cerebral player and you know she obviously still has a whole another year of high school ball still to come and a whole another year of development before she even gets to iu so a lot can change but that's kind of the sense that i got about her is that she's a high iq player yeah she's the one that was talking x's and o's right with the player or the coaches that were recruiting her yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so that definitely speaks to her x's and o's so um, so what do you think, Jeff, do you want to transition into focusing still on next year, but more on like the returning players? Sure, go for it. Okay. So um, you mentioned earlier that Allie leaving in particular was her leadership. So who do you think, um, and I, I have my own guess too, it seems obvious to me, but who do you think is going to step into that leadership role and kind of fill the void Allie is leaving? I mean, I think the answer is Mackenzie. I, I I okay. think, or maybe it's not obvious. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have thought Grace, to be honest. I, 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 I would have thought Grace. I think, I yeah. think Grace will too. But I think when you look at them, I mean, Grace is this quiet, pretty subdued person on and off the court. I think she's gonna, she's, and that was not Allie. Allie was, you know, loud <laughs> and proud and, and you know, talking to people all game and screaming all game. And not that Grace won't let out a scream for here and there, but she's not. She. she she's not a vocal leader per se. She, lead, she's lead by example. Exactly. Yeah. She, yeah. And, 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 but, but when you talk about who's going to fill the Allie Patberg leadership void, I think okay. you, you're looking for somebody okay. who's going to be a vocal leader. And I think that's Mackenzie. Okay. Yeah. So maybe we're going to have maybe two leaders, but just different styles of leadership. Exactly. Probably we'll pair up. So. And of the returning players, and, and maybe we take, and, I'll, I'll, let's go with the kids who played last year. We know the incoming transfers are going to have a, a play role, but let's take them out of the mix for a second. Who do you see could make the biggest jump for next season? And, let, and I'll help narrow it down a little bit more. Let's take Mac and Grace out of the, you know, so uh, Chloe, um, uh, Peterson, mm-hmm. Ashley, you know, Caitlin Peterson, um, uh, Keandra Brown, you know, do, who do you think could make a, a big jump next year? It's hard to say. I mean, because you, you talk about Chloe making, we've talked about Chloe making a big jump this year. And I like I said, she still has a lot of room to grow. I've, it'll be interesting. I'm not sure exactly where her role is going to be with, with the, she obviously has a role. I just don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's just with all the new pieces they have, I'm, I'll be interested to see what her role looks like. And kind of the same for a player like Keandra, who, you know, performed ab- admirably I think at times knowing you know at least in hindsight what she was dealing with with the hip the whole time and how limiting that really must have been for her and you know when healthy you know I, I think I've said before I that you know she's got she's got room to grow too as a player it, it, it's hard to it's, it's really hard to know until you until I mean they haven't even come back they the team doesn't start their summer work until June so 
in a lot of ways, it's hard to know because in, in a lot of ways, I'm not sure that these coaches could really, I'm not even sure the coaches could answer that question quite yet. I, I'm sure they've got names circled and, you know, projections and hopes, you know, for, for all of them, but I'm not sure the coaches could really answer that question. Name one player who, you know, in May, name one player that next season could take a really big jump. I think there's a bunch of potential answers to that question, but it's kind of hard to know, you know, this early. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, thinking about the return players, but also now bringing in seven new players, um, how long or like, do you think it's going to take a lot of time for this team then to, to kind of mesh? That was one thing we really saw, I think from them last year, they had played together so long. Now you have a lot of new folks coming in. How difficult do you think that's going to be for the team? To, are you asking about like, like developing chemistry and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. That type of thing always takes time. I mean, there's no way to short circuit chemistry and, you know, talent will kind of put, blend itself together well and kind of can mask any chemistry issues. There's going to be enough of, of a core base core when you have, you know, Grace and McKenzie are going to be, you know, two of the biggest, you know, they're going to be the two most ball dominant players on the floor for IU next year. And they already are familiar with the system and things like that. So I don't know that it's going to, I think that plus just the talent they have will mask any of those types of issues early on. It's hard to say how long it'll take to, to develop. And, and that could differ for each individual newcomer. You know, it, it could take, you know, it, it could be really, really fast and easy for someone like, for example, it just could be really fast and easy for Sydney to, you know, work herself into the offense and feel, you know, feel right on the same page and it could take a little bit longer for Sarah, for Sarah, or, you know, for somebody else, they, like right. it, 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 it doesn't, it, it's not an all or nothing type of thing. It could be different for different individuals. And, you know, those, like I said, you can't do that. Or you can't develop chemistry overnight. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly how long it's going to take, but you know, I, I think at least early on the, earlier in the season, I think because they have, Mackenzie and Grace returning, you know, knowing every, knowing the system and knowing how IU wants to play for sure. I think that plus the the overall talent they have will mask any chemistry issues at least early in the season. Yeah, and we know Sarah knows how to shoot the ball in Assembly Hall, so <laughs> that'll help her. <laughs> well, and, and I think that I think that we got kind of spoiled set the last this year, especially, and even to a little bit last year, because so many of those kids were back. They've been around for a while. You just expect them to hit the ground running. I, I think the question kind of gets in, in the mindset is, is there going to be a game early in the season that they kind of stumble or, or struggle with? And everybody's going to be like, what's wrong with this team? Well, it's just a matter of, like you said, they're just trying to work out the puzzle pieces a little bit. It's not necessarily anything's wrong, but we were just so used to seeing that core group for so long. I think that's where kind of that question comes from. And yeah, it's hard to say. I totally agree. I I, I just think that um, I will say, I, I talked to Grace today. We were doing an episode of the Grace Burger show and she was, she said, they are the kids who are still here. They're finishing up finals this week. They are super excited about what they have coming in, both transfer and recruit. So I, that she did say that. Awesome. That doesn't surprise me. They've got good players. They've got good pieces coming in. So. They sure do. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'll put you on the spot, Seth. So with all those new pieces and <laughs> the returners. So far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, welcome to doing the work podcast, by the way. Right. And uh, with Seth Tao joining us today, Kathy Amos and Jeff Marlowe here. Uh, who would you project is if you had to start tomorrow, if there was a game tomorrow, who would you say is the starting five? 
well, at least personally. Yeah, I'm personally. I'm not. Well, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, you didn't let me finish. For for at least personal, at least personally, it doesn't. I'll say who I'll say who I think the crunch time five is because to me, it doesn't matter who starts the game. It matters who finishes. It matters who finishes the game. In my mind, you, you could start a player, play her for five minutes, and then she doesn't play the rest of the night. So for me, it matters who you have in crunch time late in the fourth quarter, second half of the fourth quarter, who you want finishing that close game, but, you know, who your best lineup is. And to that answer, I'm going to say I don't really know. I, 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 think that, I, think they have, I think they have a couple different options, which is something that they, you know, Indiana women's basketball couldn't really say for the last few years that they had options as far as their lineup. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just, it's different. You know, coming into this year, you knew exactly what the starting five was going to look like. You pretty much knew that last year too. And you look at it this year, you know, they – could play small and go four guards. They they could play, you know, say play McKenzie at the five, and then you have surround her with Grace, Sydney Parrish, uh, Sarah Scalia, and Chloe Moore McNeil. You could, you know, that could be your starting five. You could, you know, swap any of those guards out and put Alyssa Geary in uh, and play two forwards. You could put Keandra Brown in and play that to start the season and, you know, see where things go. I think there's a lot more options than what they had before, both, in terms of person, both in terms of the actual personnel and just in style. Yeah. Um, okay. So I like maybe- by the way, Kathy, real quick, I do like the answer, Seth, about <laughs> crunch too. time because as a former yeah. coach, I, I know people get worked up about the starting lineup, but I, I agree wholeheartedly about who's in at the end of the game when the game's on the line. That crunch time lineup, I like that. I do too. And you know, and to your point too, Seth, we didn't really have that luxury last year. You, you kind of knew your starting five were going to probably you're going to be your finishing five too. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd have some people that would come in and, and maybe give them some breaks and whatnot. But I think for the most part, we were kind of, yeah, <clears throat> those five are going to be our starting and our ending. But maybe we'll narrow it down to just a position. So last year, I think Nikki played the point guard quite a bit for us in particular. Um, do you see somebody having um, coming into the team this next year that will play that more traditional point guard? Or do you think it'll maybe be a little less traditional and more point guard by committee, if you will? It's kind of hard to say. Yeah, yeah. It, At least I haven't watched enough of Sydney to know how she is really good, you know, how she really plays or fits. And, and, and I mean, I've watched a little bit of, of Sarah just from being around the big 10 last year, but mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't really know. I think there could be a situation where you see Grace taking the ball up the whole way and being, I mean, she's not a forward, but you know, I mean, she's kind of a small forward or small forward shooting guard combo in that sense. And, but I think there could be a, a lot of times where you see her act as the de facto point guard, depending on the personnel on the floor. I think, you know, certainly I, I think they would like Sydney and Sarah to be able to do that, those types of things as well. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, Yardin, I'm not sure that you're going to have any, I'm not sure you're going to have anybody like Nikki to where yeah it, 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 they could. I just don't really know it, it to where, you know, every time she's on the floor, you know, that is the point guard. Right. And that be it. Go ahead, I was Kathy. Gonna say maybe Yarden too, because that's what I was going to say. She was traditionally a point guard too over in Israel from what yeah. I've, I've kind of read about her too. So yeah, different, a lot of different options. <laughs> so yeah. sorry, Jeff. <laughs> no, no, I just, I kind of was thinking the same thing. I couldn't remember exact position on Yarden 
uh, when she uh, coming over from Israel. I just knew she was a guard, and I couldn't remember if she was a point guard per se. I kind of agree with Seth. I think we saw a little bit of this at the end of last year, kind of from the Purdue game on up at Mackey. When it got to crunch time, if, you know, they put the ball in Grace's hands. I'm not saying they're going to do that for 40 minutes, but I would that would not shock me that they continue to do that, you know, and maybe do expand on it a little bit during the season this coming year. You want the ball in the hands of your best player, and there's no easier way to do that than just have her take it up the floor. And right. so especially early in the season, I'm almost expecting to see that a little bit. I don't know if that's – it's hard to know what things will look like when you get into – you know, the heart of Big Ten play or anything like that. But I'm almost expecting Grace to be in a more ball-dominant role than what we've seen from her the last year, couple years. Yeah. I'll kind of start this, and then Kathy can maybe follow up with it a little bit. But I kind of you've gotten your your feet on the ground now. You're going into the offseason. Just kind of give us maybe a top half prediction of the Big Ten for if we're. I know there's still some things to shake out maybe with the portal and things like that. You know, um, because I believe kids are in the portal can still make announcements. They just had to be in the portal by May first, if I recall. So. Some things could still change, but on May the 4th, 2022, what do you think the top half of the Big Ten looks like next year? If you had to say this is how you think they're going to finish one through seven, how do you think that it shakes out? That's tough. I think right now. Yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think based on what we know, I would say that the in some order, I think Iowa and Indiana are the favorites in the, in the big 10. That, that's what I've been saying. I think that I, I think those two are the favorites in the big 10 after that. I don't know if I can give you an exact order, but I could probably, let me, so that's, you need five more teams. I think Nebraska is going to be good next year and Nebraska brings back almost their entire team and they were, you yeah. know, coming on, at, you know, towards the end of the season, I think they didn't win in the tournament as the eight seed, but they bring back almost their entire team, pretty much their and all the at least all the key pieces mm-hmm. of their team. I think Nebraska is going to be a tough one again next year. Ohio State should be tough again. Mm-hmm. Sheldon's back, and you know they're traditionally pretty good. And they get the girl that was injured back. Right. Right. Yeah. So you know, I think Ohio State will be good. You can never count out Maryland. I you know, obviously things are going to look a little bit different, uh, but you know they this happened with them a couple years ago, and they just immediately re- reloaded and were totally fine. And you know they brought in Abby Myers, who IU fans will be, remember from Princeton, and I think that's a really it made that made all the sense in the world and was a smart pickup by Maryland. So I. I even losing Angel Reese and Ashley Owusu and, you know, all the other players that, you know, left, whether it was transfer or graduation or what, what, whatever it is, mm-hmm. Maryland, I'm, I, Maryland will not be in the bottom half of the big no. 10. Year. They'll, 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 you know, whether they're contending for a big 10 title or not is potentially a question, but they're not gonna be in the bottom half of the big 10. So Maryland's yeah. another team. So how many is that? Five. Um, yep. Let me think here. I mean, Michigan will be interesting to watch just because they really – I mean, they were the only Big Ten team to make the Elite Eight. They obviously had things rolling. They obviously lost their best player, Nas Hillman. And how it, how do they kind of fill that gap? And and where do things go without Nas? And are they able to make up without her? I'm not, you know, I'm not locking them in as they are going to be top half of the Big Ten. They're just kind of a team to keep an eye on just – how do they make up for, mm-hmm. for not having Nas next year? Um, so that's six. 
six yeah. um if you can't go past past that i'll let you with six so I, i'm just i'm trying to rummage through i'm trying to run rummage through in my head give me a second so you got take an inventory of the big 10 teams <laughs> well you got left kind of yeah. purdue michigan state minnesota. Um, minnesota you know there's that's kind of what yeah. i would say is maybe that next tier well from what I, it seems like <laughs> it, i i could I honestly don't know enough about the like who's coming into all those other teams, both recruit wise and transfer wise it's to the, to really pick out anyone from the pack. I think Purdue is, is with, without the full complement of personnel that they would need to be good. It seemed like their coach had things moving in the right direction, at least in her first year. So maybe keep an eye up North. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I think that's fair. So, um, Kind of a follow-up sort of related question, maybe harder, maybe easier. Um, just focusing on, um, there's an article that came out, I think, um, just earlier today um, from ESPN with their way too early top 25. And in there, they had Iowa at five, and they had Indiana at 11th. And I believe, um, going off the top of my head, they had Ohio State and then um, Maryland sneaking in in their top top 25. So those are their four. So just concentrating on Iowa at fifth nationally and Indiana at 11th nationally, does that feel like if you were going to rank rank them just, you know, knowing what maybe, I, I don't know about you, Seth, I'm not real good at knowing nationally enough to rank 25 teams, but does that feel about right where you would stick them or does that feel too high or too low? I mean, like you say, I, I, I wouldn't, it, it, with, off the top of my head for sure be able to just say oh no like number five is is the exact right ranking for right. for cert for any team really but i mean i think iowa feels like a top five team heading into next season they bring their entire starting five or you know they, they their entire best lineup they're they bring all five of them back and it's not just caitlin clark as you know you'd know if you watched any of the iu iowa games you know there are other players on that team that are very good and will cause a lot of problems for a lot of teams next year. So yeah, I think I was a top five team and Indiana, Indiana's got the talent yeah. to be, you know, up there in the poll. It's just a question of how soon will it come together and how right. well will it work? Yeah. I'd agree with that for sure. And just kind of, I will, uh, I'll kind of reword this question a little bit, Kathy, just yeah. um, Seth, if you had to project based on that, IU would be a, a three seed in the NCAA tournament next year, which would mean you'd host, and I, I may be wrong, but I think they would host still next year. I don't mm -hmm. think they're going to neutral sites yet for the women's tournament. Mm -hmm. um, um, so do you, do you think that's a, you think that's, I hate to say realistic, but do you think that's a, a, a legitimate goal for this team to be able to host another first and second round of, you know, of games in Bloomington? Yeah. Reasonable. Yeah. Reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> With, for, for a conversation that we're having on May 4th. <laughs> we're writing all by, of this down. Today. Yes. Right. We'll right. come right. back and let right. you know. <laughs> we're going to treat you like we're, we're going to, we're going to do it like we treat Jay on the assembly call. We're going to write all these down and, you know, <laughs> For a conversation happening on May 4th, I think it's realistic uh, saying a top, you know, yeah. being a top 16 team in the country, they have two of the best players, at least in the big 10 and, you know, two of the better, you know, they have two all Americans coming back to their team. And, you know, that's something that a lot of teams do not have. So just that in of itself, like when you put those two around a, a roster of competent players, which Indiana is, 
hosting and being a top 16 team, I, I think that's a reasonable goal. Yeah. So I think one of our last questions, and we can come up with more if you want us to, but because uh, we haven't put you on the spot enough, right? Um, so we've talked a lot about last year, you thought um, one of the concerning things going into the tournament was depth. We have a lot of new players coming in. We have a lot of players that left. Do you think our depth is better? And how far down the bench do you think once we get into more of a regular rotation, again, May 4th, um, totally understand. How far down the bench do you think the regular rotation Coach Morinwall will use? I, yes, I think the depth is better. I, I think you. now you're looking at, I mean, as many as nine, I think, I mean, without trying to stop myself to count uh, out loud, um, I think they have as many as nine players who could potentially, like reasonably potentially from what we are, from what we've seen of them or know of them already, uh, I think they have as many as nine players who you can look at and say though that like they could be a rotation player. And I do not think it's going to be a nine woman rotation when you're getting into big 10 play, you know, when you're getting into mid January and February, I don't think they're going to be going nine deep. You know, it's different when you're playing a game against, you know, the bottom of the big 10 and it's, you're, you're up by 25 and in, in the fourth quarter, you know, that's still obviously going to be different, but when you're looking at you know a, a tight game, I, I I think where they they I know that the reason they didn't go much deeper is because they they if they had the personnel to be if they felt like they had the personnel and, and the quality off their bench to be able to play deeper than six last season they would have but they didn't feel like they had anybody who they they could feel comfortable putting in not only putting that player in, but taking out one of their best players to, to, to give the, that player more minutes. So it, it comes down to that in a lot of ways is not just how good is X player on the bench, but is it worthwhile to put them in and take Grace off the floor for five minutes or take right. McKenzie off the floor for five minutes. So because of that, even if they have all that quality, uh, all that quality off the bench, I still wouldn't say that they're going to play any deeper than eight when you're getting into, you yeah. know, any and and eight, seven or eight when you're when you're talking about getting into you know February and March. Yeah. yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought here. Oh, so and it may be too early. It may not be something you follow along with. But are there any rule changes coming to the women's game that we know of at, at this point for next year, or is it too early for that? I'm not sure if it's too early for that or not, but I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it seems like sometimes those get released in the summer and I just couldn't remember for sure. So I didn't, you know, I just wanted to ask since, you know, but again, I know you're covering high school baseball and you're worrying about pitch counts and stuff on, on, <laughs> on Tuesday nights. If, if there are any rule changes uh, that for next season, I do not know them. So yeah. I'll, I'll put it that way. Thanks. Cool. So. Absolutely agree. Uh, so are there any areas in particular that you hope that we can improve upon from last year? I know we've mentioned a little bit, we talked about that, we talked a little bit about shooting, but um, is there one specific area you think if the team really wants to get back to the Sweet 16 or go even farther that we really need to improve in that area? I think I, I, th the three-point shooting, I think, is in terms of being a bigger threat, I think not, not just they could knock them down before, but you kind of knew that, you know, it, that wasn't what the, the shot they were looking for. If yeah. they can become a team offensively that both like 
can and will look for that three while also having an all American in the post, I think that makes them a lot harder to stop than, than, and not that they were easy to stop before, but I think that makes them a lot harder to stop uh, than the teams you've seen the past few years. And, and so I think other one area I'll chime in here is there were key games last year. And and again, part of it was times when McKenzie was hurt, but there were other times toward the end of the season that they just really struggled to rebound. And I think that's an area that that's got to get a little more consistent in, in some, in a, in a tight game, in in a, in a tough game and and such like you're talking about. Uh, I think if you're a fan, going ahead to next year by golly and i haven't seen the schedule i don't think the big Ten's really scheduled but by golly if iowa was in town again next year that game ought to be packed i hope so no that i mean on paper that that looks like a fun one yeah yeah it should i know um i should try and so stuff i live in des moines so i should uh to look for tickets now based on what they did last year with their attendance and at least have a couple specks of red in the <laughs> in the sea in iowa city <laughs> yeah yeah that looks like a fun matchup though doesn't it yeah it, it, that to me is the marquee matchup in the big 10 next year yeah no yeah. doubt no doubt so kathy you got anything else you want to ask seth i'm pretty much he's answered all the questions i, I had know. for him I think we grilled them enough for an hour here. So <laughs> unless you have anything else that somehow we didn't touch on, Seth. <laughs> I think we've covered it all. Seth we, 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 Seth, we want to thank you for joining us. We know you have a busy schedule, like yeah. you said, and for, for people who joined in late, Seth not only is covering the IU women's basketball beat, but he also is covering high school sports in the Bloomington area for the Herald Times. And 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 for those of us who live here in Indiana, and, and, and Kathy and Iowa, I'm sure, knows this, weather in Indiana makes for a lot of, of schedule changes and adjustments. So we really were pleased that Seth could join us and hope you'll join us again in the future, Seth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of fun talking with you today, too. So really appreciate it and enjoy counting pitches and (laughs) everything else. So again, we want to thank our our presenting sponsor, homefieldapparel.com. And don't forget, go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code home H-O-M-E to get 15 percent off your entire first order. Again, that's homefieldapparel.com. Want to thank Bob Ringen of Rig Design for designing our logo. And want to thank everybody that's been in the chat today, the workaholics for every, you know, your your comments as well. I want to thank my co-host, Kathy Amos, for joining us tonight and Seth Tao from the Bloomington Herald Times. And also, I do believe your, your stories run in the Annapolis Star, correct? Yep, the I the IU ones do. Yeah, the IU ones do do run in the Apple Star. So we want to thank Seth for joining us. Hope you'll come back and join us again in the future. For Kathy, for Seth, I'm Jeff Marlin. Until we talk again, remember to keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. <laughs>